Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are today. I'm Ali Amagasu, and you're listening to the latest episode of Cloud Unfiltered. Hey, for those of you who have been tuning in lately, I am pleased to say that we are going to have our second female guest in a row, which is defying the demographics of both our industry and our audience. But we're feeling good about it because women need to represent on Cloud Unfiltered. Today's an interesting guest because she's going to talk to us about a Cisco product. We try to be kind of um, neutral on this show with what we talk about. We invite competitors on and technologies that have nothing to do with what we're working on at Cisco. But today's all in Cisco. For some of you, maybe that won't be great news. I hope that most of you love it. She's going to talk about a product we have talked about before, the Cisco Container Platform. We had someone on when we introduced the product about a year ago, uh, maybe a year and a half ago. And a lot of exciting things have happened since then. And so she's going she's gonna to bring us up to speed about new features and functionality. Uh, her name is Minakshi Kaushik, and she's a product manager for Cisco Container Platform. Welcome, Minakshi. We're glad to have you. Oh, uh, thank you, Ali and Pete. It is awesome to be here. And yes, for having a second female guest in a row. Awesome. Please keep <laughs> up the trend. <laughs> you don't know how difficult it is to find, <laughs> to find female guests. The ones that are available are tremendously oversubscribed. And so um, we're, we, and, and I know from working with you that you are oversubscribed as well, that it's a busy job you have. And so I appreciate you taking the time to share with us today. Before I start asking you questions, welcome, Pete. You are not in your nerd lair. Where are you? I'm not. I'm in the regular office. It's, you know, we're past Memorial Day. So the, the basement's been taken over by my teenager. So I'm back <laughs> up in the regular office. And I'm looking forward to this conversation, too. I've had Minakshi as a guest on internal webinars before. She knows her stuff. It's going to be a good episode. Excellent. Well, then, um, so to start, you know, I know we had been talking just on a conference call, Minakshi, and you had been talking about some of the the interesting features that have been added to Cisco Container Platform. Before you get into that part, though, can you just give a quick summary for guests who don't know, who didn't hear the previous episode, what Cisco Container Platform is and does? Sure. Um, so let me start by uh, what uh, the Cisco Container Platform tries to solve. What, what the customers are looking for today is a container orchestration platform. And the, it's very easy to spin up container orchestration platform. Kubernetes has become a de facto standard. What, what is difficult is to lifecycle manage that container orchestration platform. So some of the pain points in uh, different analyst reports you would see is lifecycle management of container platform, operationalizing in production grade the container platform, and security managing the security because the containers are not as secure as virtual machines and customers are looking for a secure uh, deployment environment. So the Cisco container platform is essentially trying to solve that problem. What it's trying to do is it is a production grade offering which helps customer instantiate multiple Kubernetes clusters. And so we instantiate Kubernetes clusters on-prem as well as in the cloud. And the reason why we went to the cloud is, again, uh, based on what we found in customer conversations. What we found is that 90% of the customers, enterprise customers, are looking for hybrid strategy. Whenever I jump on a customer call, they will be connected to at least two or more clouds. Uh, and uh, although they're connected to two or more clouds, what, what happens is they have this Kubernetes platform, but they don't have a consistent environment. So for example, if a customer jumps in, from an on-prem environment to a cloud environment, they don't have the identity and policies tied in. They don't have a common plane of class for logging monitoring. So that's the reason we, in a Cisco Container Platform, try to spin, we spin containers in the cloud and as well as tie those containers with common identity 
and common single pane of glass so that the customer can seamlessly migrate their applications from on-prem to cloud. So uh, to just up again, Cisco Container Platform is a simple container orchestration platform, Kubernetes orchestration platform, whether you're looking on-prem or in cloud with a single pane of glass and identities and security tied together. Perfect. I think that was a great description. You know, one of the things when, whenever I'm talking to one of our engineers about this solution, they talk about how it's it's based on 100% upstream Kubernetes, unlike perhaps some other solutions. And, and why is that important or why is that a good thing? So uh, one of the things, uh, I've worked in open source for a really long time. And the thing which, uh, uh, there are two ways to look at a product. You could look at the product as pure open source and give the product or you can customize the product. The advantage of being a pure open source product is whatever new features are built into the community, it is very easy for you to consume it and give it to the customers. Customers also have an option in that case if they wanted to move from one platform to the other. So, they, so it is not a vendor lock-in product. And so, uh, so for us, it was very important to do that upstream work and anytime we make changes or we do have any features, what we do is we contribute upstream and then consume it through that route. So that, that way the community benefits. At the same time, the customers don't feel that there is a vendor lock-in. And uh, that's the reason we went through the approach of having a total 100% open source pro product rather than performing additional customizations and forking the open source. Excellent. Excellent answer. So I know when this product was launched a year and a half ago, whenever it was, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a minimum viable product. I feel like it was pretty rich in its capabilities. But since then, I don't know how many releases there have been. It seems like there's been a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's gotten much, much richer. And um, it's able to do a lot more. So what are some of the exciting things this platform can do now that maybe it couldn't do before? What are some of the more recent additions feature-wise? Um, definitely. So we launched this product actually almost a year ago, which is basically last May. And so it's been a year, and as you mentioned, it seems like uh, it has gone through a long journey. And one of the reasons is because uh, we are very agile. We uh, have releases every month. So, uh, so, we, so we have an opportunity to uh, expand on our, our offering. At the same time, the community is also going at a very uh, rapid pace. So we are moving along with Kubernetes community, and as new features are getting added in, we incorporate into our product. So from, uh, from the initial version where we started with, which was Kubernetes 1.10 and today uh, uh, actually 1.9, and now we are in uh, 12, 13, and 14, those are the releases we are in. So uh, we have taken everything which the upstream offer. In addition to that, uh, the new things which we have added is as uh, in the over the year journey, we have seen that there are certain customers, which customer personas that have jumped out. So for example, maybe 60 or 70% of the customers who, uh, who are either doing POCs or our uh, Cisco Container Platform customers are uh, machine learning customers. So we've uh, enhanced on our GPU functionality. So we offer as a multi-GPU as a service uh, coming up with the 4.0 release, which is going to happen anytime soon. Uh, we have, the storage has evolved. Like for example, uh, the storage has evolved from a flex volume driver to the CSI driver. So in Cisco Container Platform, we support Hyperflex with uh, CSI driver. Now, we have also uh, uh, evolved on how we do easy installation. And as community has evolved to an operator model, so basically the cluster API and the operator model where you have a deterministic lifecycle management. So uh, in Cisco Container Platform, we also have a, a deterministic lifecycle management, Kubernetes-based cluster operator-based lifecycle management. Now, and uh, as I mentioned about being hybrid, 
So we have expanded on our offering. So we started with on-prem and uh, now we are expanding on the hybrid offering where the customers can now spin up clusters both on-prem as well as in the cloud. So uh, these are the different tracks. And then to layer it about, to make it more production grade, you know, we, uh, we go through strict Cisco's uh, CSDL requirements, which are the Cisco, CS, uh, Cisco security requirement for every product. So we've ensured that as customers take the product into their production, that uh, we have locked down all the holes which exist in open source, whether it is to make sure that every, every application has PLS access, whether the, for example, the logging credentials uh, or even the HCD, uh, for example, you have ensured that all the contents of the HCD are encrypted. And uh, we have also enhanced on our logging and monitoring capabilities so that, again, whatever uh, is needed in the production grade for uh, monitoring and logging capabilities. So, yeah, so it, 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 it looks like a lot. There are some aided by upstream, some, as we hear from the customers, we have expanded on that offer. Pete, do you have questions about any of that? Uh, so, yeah, I do. So, again, for those not familiar with the, with the platform, one of the things that you talked about, the benefits of being upstream Kubernetes, and that's, that's basically what we're, what we're deploying in this kind of Kubernetes as a service offering. But other competitors in this market do things like force CICD tool chains on you if you just want the Kubernetes as a service, or they do things like force you to also take on some other, you know, to also deploy some other services. So are we doing that, or why did we choose not to do that? Uh, thanks, Pete. That's a uh, that's a very good question. So when we were looking at building the Cisco Container Platform, we thought that uh, customers already have an existing CI/CD, for example, tooling. Like right? many of the customers are already using Champions, and we didn't want them to to be opinionated or uh, tie them tie them to use a specific kind of tooling with the Cisco Container Platform. And we wanted it to be a modular layer where the customers can uh, have an option of bringing in their own application management. And one of such options, as you know, is uh, Cisco Cloud Center, where it performs an application management. That, that works with Cisco Container Platform, but uh, any other open source tooling uh, for application management also, also works with, with Cisco Container Platform. And there, there are many things which are happening even in, uh, in the Kubernetes, in the upstream, where a customer can use any of those toolings for, uh, for this as well. So we want to be independent of that and not, not be super opinionated on what people are using either on either end of, of sort of this funnel. And, and how does, does that help us get sort of closer to trunk when the new Kubernetes offerings comes out? Like what, like when, when there's a new, when there's a new rev of Kubernetes that comes out, how long does that take before it's available for deployment to either upgrade an existing cluster or to spin up a new cluster with that new version. Thanks, Peter, for bringing that up. Because if, uh, for example, that's to uh, Ali's previous point as well, is that uh, why did we go with upstream Kubernetes and not change anything from upstream Kubernetes? And to your point of uh, why only the core Kubernetes and not tie it to CI/CD and, and other offerings, is that uh, it, it makes it very agile. We take the upstream Kubernetes, harden it uh, based on our standards, and very quickly release it to our customers. Uh, so we, we don't just pick up the Kubernetes and just release it. We also do testing on our end and hardening. And we are making that process faster and faster. So the time period will become shorter and shorter uh, because as we get all our uh, security hardened procedures in place, which we have most of these, so it, it becomes faster and faster compared to 
for example, other vendors which have to do a lot additional changes to make their entire environment work. So agility definitely uh, comes with that. Well, that's, I mean, it, it used to be like an OpenStack world where Ali and I both spent some time. It used to be like six months was kind of the demarcation line that, that if you were going to harden an OpenStack distribution and make it available for some release, you were typically about six months behind what the uh, open source was doing. So now that we're doing, you know, three months and choosing and trying to get better with a Kubernetes offering, that seems pretty, that seems pretty good to me. Now, the other thing I wanted to double click on there, though, was you mentioned Kubeflow and you mentioned, well, you didn't specifically mention Kubeflow, but you said AIML workload. So I'm going to mention Kubeflow since that's the implementation that most people are using on top of Kubernetes. Now, what not a lot of people know, but I know that you do, is that the CTO's office of the organization inside of Cisco that you belong to has contributed almost 3 million lines of code to Kubeflow, mostly around trying to do like data tool chain kind of hardening to, to make it so that data is a little bit easier to, to get into a, a pipeline for, for, to test models. What what are we doing there for CCP and and how popular you know how how popular and why is this so a popular a use case for these on prem Kubernetes distributions? Yeah, uh, I'm glad you're asking this question because uh, as uh, as I've been talking to customers, what I found is and I mentioned this in the beginning is that more than sixty to seventy percent of the customer there is a machine learning team which takes a Cisco Container Platform. And when I mentioned machine learning team, it isn't like a single team in any organization which is doing machine learning. In fact, everybody is doing machine learning, whether it's a data scientist which is creating models or machine learning engineer which is productizing the models or it's a software developer or a DevOps team which is consuming the models as an API. So everybody is involved in machine learning. And the other thing which is very interesting to note here is that majority of the machine learning which our customers are doing uh, is, is being done on-prem. And this actually is also found in the Kubeflow community survey, where many, uh, many of the customers, more than half of the customers who are doing machine learning workloads today are doing it on-prem. And the reason for that is data locality. It's a very easy way for them to get started on-prem. Uh, before they may decide how they want to have a hybrid kind of a strategy. So model training on-prem, but then maybe inferencing elsewhere? Um, right now, I see both of them on-prem. They are our customers, at least okay. uh, Cisco Container Platform customers. But uh, definitely, they are moving. Uh, they are thinking about how to move it to hybrid. But today, the initial, initial uh, customers have been more uh, interested in doing it on-prem. And so to, to, to your point, before I go to Kubeflow, if I may, let me just talk about how we looked at it just to enable this machine learning workload. Okay. So um, as you know, like the good thing about the Cisco Container Platform, the way we do the Cisco Container Platform is we just don't lay the layer of Kubernetes. We actually manage both the underlying host OS as well as the Kubernetes layer when, when we are lifecycle managing the Kubernetes. Now, the problem which was there in the virtualization world was that every time you wanted to consume a GPU as a, in a pass-through mode, which is what we enable to enable, uh, which we use uh, the GPU in the pass-through mode because we want near native performance, is that you have to manually enable GPU pass-through in virtual machine. So for a customer uh, who is running a machine learning workload, if they have to, every time they want to enable a machine learning workload on a Kubernetes, for example, which is running on a virtual machine, and they have to manually enable GPU in a pass-through mode, 
there is a manual intervention requirement. So it's not a GPU as a service. So the first thing we wanted to do was to make the GPU as a service. And that's what we started with. So what the customer can do, we manage, we auto-enable GPU in the pass-through mode every time. We have a concept of node pool. The customer can decide that this is their GPU node pool and specify the GPU to, uh, GPU to be attached to their virtual machine. And then we can automatically scale up or scale down that uh, GPU attachment. So like Kubernetes, which manages the compute and memory resources, we manage the GPU resources uh, in the cluster, which is under uh, CCP, in the uh, UCS servers uh, the, or, or any other servers which are under, under the CCP control. And then we manage and ensure that uh, we can enable GPU on, on the virtual machine on demand. And so that's, that's the GPU on this as a service. And then when we enable that, what we found uh, for the machine learning customers are that uh, the initial wave of customers, some of them were, were happy with single GPU, but then some of them wanted to do distributed training. And you could do distributed training with uh, going across workers, but that is suboptimal. And so they wanted multiple GPUs on the same worker node. And so that, uh, that's why in the next release, we will have multiple GPUs on, on, a same, on the same worker node. And when you are doing multiple GPUs, the way the servers are laid out, and I can give an example of 480ML, the UCS 480ML, you know that uh, what happens is that UCS 480 has uh, eight, uh, eight, eight GPUs. And so uh, of those eight GPUs, not every GPU is connected in a total mesh environment. So uh, the choice of GPU which you select for optimal performance is very important, and the, the GPU and CPU. So you, uh, it is connected by a fast NVIDIA link rather than a PCI bus. So uh, the, that's the other thing which we would offer is we'll be offering in our future releases where we would be exposing the, the GPUs, but then when we give the GPUs to the machine, we will ensure that it is optimally connected so that the uh, customer can have the best experience and the fast performance when they connect right. to the GPU workload. The third thing which we found is that, sure, uh, you can enable GPU as a service, but then if you go today to any cloud and if you wanted to use NVIDIA, for example, GPUs, you still have to download the NVIDIA CUDA drivers. You have to download the NVIDIA runtime. So the customer actually has to, uh, it's, it becomes a customer's problem as far as operational overhead is concerned to uh, ensure that these binaries are in sync with their Kubernetes version. So, that none of that matrix are, uh, works together. So all that matrix works together. Your CUDA drivers work together. Your NVIDIA driver works together with Kubernetes version that you uh, that was offered. So we auto install that for the customer as well. So uh, from the customer's perspective, the moment their Kubernetes cluster comes up, they are all ready to just use it, dive in and use it. So everything is automated. So that's that's how where we started with the machine learning. I'm sorry, I'm coming to the Qflow <laughs> portion of the uh, the question. So now that we have done that, Qflow, as you mentioned, uh, Cisco has been involved upstream. Uh, what we have noticed is that the customer loves love love to do machine learning workload on containers. And the reason why they uh, love is one of the reasons is because there are packages available which help them easily do end-to-end -end machine learning. So manage, develop, and deploy machine learning workloads. And Kubeflow is one of the most popular package in Kubernetes. And so we, so, so that's, that, that's the reason why you talked about uh, the, the Cisco's team doing upstream, the upstream work. Today, after the uh, customer has enabled GPU as a service, the customer can easily deploy Kubeflow on that cluster. 
And in future, we are looking to automate that through flow deployment. So that way, it's a single click, like how customers enable Istio in our environment, or they enable a harbor registry in our environment. It's a, right. It'll be a single click option. And um, we will do more towards lifecycle management of queue flows. So that way, uh, the customers, we will ensure that they don't have any interruption of service as they are working to, uh, in the Kubeflow environment. That's a very exciting area in yes. uh, in in there. So, so yeah. So, um, in anybody who one of the cool things about Cisco Container Platform, and I, I support this in my day job, talking to to yeah. partners about this, is you can get you can get your hands on version three point one for free on a DevNet sandbox. And yes. it, it doesn't have all those GPU bells and whistles that you were just describing available on, on that sandbox. But on the sandbox that you do is just installed on top of vanilla VMware. And, you know, you can you can even do the you can even launch EKS clusters on, on AWS from that cluster. So if you want to get your hands on it, you can just go to the, you know, do a Google search on on DevNet sandbox and you can find it there. But for somebody who wanted to get a little bit more further explanation or or have a more in-depth interactive conversation. What's on, what do you guys have planned for Cisco Live here in San Diego in a couple of weeks? Yeah, no, thanks Pete for asking. We we have a uh, we have a booth and so please do stop by the Cisco Container Platform booth. We we'll also have demos so you can uh, you can see the in detail what uh, what I've been talking about and I'll be there um, the other members of the team will be there so feel free to reach out to me and I definitely love to have conversation with you. And look for some exciting announcements from the team. Ooh, ooh, is right. A teaser. <laughs> hey, it, it it sounds to me like you know, having heard you talk through you know all the new stuff available in the most recent releases and in some coming releases, it sounds like the multiple, the automated multiple GPU thing is the headline, right? That sounds like that's the the exciting thing. Is there any kind of subhead? Is there any other like? You know, oh, this is almost as exciting, or this is our other big big change from that list you kind of gave me in the beginning. Oh yeah, definitely. So uh, there are a few other items. The first one, which uh, I wanted to talk about, was that we always had a support for VMware, but now we also have support for OpenStack. So the Cisco Container Platform will will also support uh, OpenStack as another hypervisor. Uh, we are moving. Uh, the other thing is that Cisco Container Platform is. It's, it's, it's just not Cisco Container Platform news, but it's a, a better together news. So the Cisco has a Hyperflex storage, and Hyperflex storage is moving from Hyperflex volume to uh, CSI. And with CSI, it gets ability. There are many other exciting features which customer can use with the CSI. And so uh, with 4.0, Cisco Container Platform will start supporting Hyperflex uh, CSI driver. So all the capabilities which Hyperflex provides with uh, CSI, with dynamic volume expansions and other capabilities, customer would be able to use with that. That's exciting. Those yeah. do sound like big things. You know, you mentioned the better to get together bit. Just so so listeners are clear, Cisco Container Platform doesn't have to be purchased with Hyperflex, right? It can it can be deployed on it on any number of things. Exactly. So basically, you can have a uh, the requirement uh, depending on where you want to deploy the Kubernetes cluster. The requirements are pretty straightforward. So if you want to deploy a cluster on a, v a VMware as a hypervisor, then all we need is a VMware as a hypervisor. It doesn't really matter what is underneath it, what kind of storage you want to bring. We have a vSphere provider. You can bring your own storage and add to it. If uh, you're deploying it on a cloud environment, for example, if you're spinning it on an EKS cluster, then uh, all you need is AWS account and ability to spit cluster. 
So yes, and with uh, with the OpenStack environment, the requirement would be OpenStack of a specific version. Yeah. So you could even run it on, you know, God forbid, Dell hardware, right? If, yeah. As long as you were running OpenStack or VMware, VMware yeah. right? It's yeah. just that the, the tax support would obviously stop at that VMware level. I, as as much as I'm sure our tech guys would love to take would take calls <laughs> on Dell hardware, I would imagine they they don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, we, yeah. So basically, the Cisco supports the Cisco bits, and uh, anything which is not beyond Cisco is uh, not supported by Cisco. And so so it's very modular that way. But if customer purchases the entire stack from Cisco, oh. then it's a one support call, and then we are on hook for anything and everything which happens. So. We find that many customers find that useful because it's like, as they say, single throat to choke. Uh, yeah. That is where the rubber hits the road as far as better together. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that really does make it better. Great. Well, you know, we had talked a little bit at the beginning of the call that um, I might want to ask you this, and I would. You know, as, as a minority, meaning women in tech, you know, there, there's not enough of us in the industry, and particularly of you, <laughs> the type that is that is up to her neck in building really cool products. So I'd love to know how you how you got into this. What provoked you to pursue a career in tech? I, I wish I had a very cool story about what pursued me, but it was just the fact that I, I started in the tech industry. I did my undergrad in India before I came for grad school here. So the reason I, I was motivated to get into tech or to anything was essentially the environment which I grew up in, I wanted to, I, I already knew I wanted to be independent and I wanted to be cool. <laughs> and so uh, it, it, uh, it was just that. And I, I I was very lucky. I was a good student, so I got scholarships every, all the way around. So the financial was not a challenge. So that got me in. And then uh, I would encourage anybody to get in who wants to get in, because once you get in, it's, it's a really cool place to be. And there's so much exciting things happening in the tech industry that uh, then that there are many opportunities to grow. And especially if uh, uh, if you start going towards open source, the community is pretty welcoming. And having been in open source initially by accident, and then I've uh, maintained it throughout, uh, I would say that uh, you can't go wrong. If if you go in that, it's it, you get a lot of opportunities to advance advance yourself. That's great. That's a good story. I'm glad to hear that the open source community is, uh, is welcoming. So, well, Minakshi, I really appreciate you spending the time with us today to give us an update on Cisco Container Platform. I'm going to include some, some links in the podcast notes so people can go and, and find more information about it if, they, if they'd like. And of course, they can. it sounds like they can track you down at Cisco Live US in San Diego. I think that's from the 9th to the 13th. And as a side note, Pete and I will be there as well. So maybe we can meet in person. And anybody who's listening, look and is going to be at Cisco Live. Look for Pete and myself there. We'll be podcasting hopefully a couple times and also attending to our regular day jobs. Thank you so much, Pete and Ali. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And I look forward to meeting you at Cisco Live. Sounds great. Bye, Pete. Bye. Talk to you soon.